0: So we have uh, three topics. Uh, The first topic is the new Omicron variant that is circling around the world right now. Biden's policy to stop and how it connects to supply chain issues and inflation. Uh, We're also going to speak about the averted government shutdown and the debt limit that's yet to be raised. And we're also going to discuss the coming fate of Roe v. Wade in the Supreme Court. In terms of Omicron, as of this recording, there have been five confirmed cases in New York and cases are beginning to pop up all over the country. And many countries have moved to restrict travel from certain parts of the world, uh, especially from Southern Africa. Biden has done that for the U.S. He has also put in place new travel restrictions that require all inbound international travelers to get tested within a single day before arriving to the U.S. In terms of the supply chain issues, this is also going to make the supply chain issues worse. Although they have been getting a little better, the amount of containers stuck on docks for nine days or more has declined by 41% since November, which is an improvement, but obviously we've got a long way to go. But I think supply chain issues get resolved a lot faster when people are back at work, when people are comfortable going back at work. And we don't know a lot about this new variant, if it's more transmissible or not, we're still yet to see more data on it, but people are panicking. The stock market has certainly panicked. And if people are less comfortable going to their jobs, then the supply chain issues will be harder to resolve than... They were
1: before. I mean, you're right, Joshua. This is going to wreak havoc on the supply chains, but this was inevitable. The variants are inevitable. Considering the the recent reports that it's not breaking the vaccines, most of the cases are unvaccinated. We're lucky. It doesn't look like we're going to have a complete shutdown. We're going to have a complete collapse, like in March 2020, which is good. You know, we can't have that again. Israel is locking down hard, at least, you know, to everyone in the outside world. And other countries are doing this, and we can't do that. The only locking down I would really appreciate is what Germany is doing right now. Willfully unvaccinated people there, they can go to the the grocery store, they can go to pharmacies, but they can't go to restaurants. They can't go to theaters. They can't go to non-essential businesses. Considering that a lot of this is caused by not getting the vaccines out in the world in time for all these variants to emerge. Yeah. I'm for that look at buy specific plan by getting making vaccinated people quarantine after coming to the united States after they land that was suggested but apparently it's not happening now which is which is good. we need to vaccinate people to you know move and you know go a normal life but right now there's no lockdowns there's helping insurance coverage for testing gain more of that because you know not enough tests. There's also extended mask mandate for public transportation, which is good. And there's also increased after first for booster shots. That's good. We need to prioritize boosting, prioritize vaccination, and keep some of the stuff we know works and get rid of some of the stuff we know that doesn't work. The only thing wrong with this plan is that there's no increased vaccine mandate, or just no real effort to expand on. But it's probably because the courts are taking out the current, you know, federal workforce mandate. And Biden probably doesn't want to, you know, make, have that just be knocked down by the courts and go through a whole legal battle before, you know, that case gets resolved. It's disappointing, but it's understandable.
0: I mean, obviously, I'm not an expert on infectious diseases. I mean, scientists obviously know way more than we do, but COVID-19 isn't going to go into any, anytime soon. Even if we have complete universal human vaccination, COVID-19 is still spreading within animal population where it can freely circulate and mutate even further, perhaps, you know requiring stronger modified vaccines that we might have to get you know year by year so i do think that you know lockdowns are not an effective long-term strategy and i do think we have to focus on vaccinating further and making sure that if you're vaccinated and you're eligible you should get the booster shot because it'll protect you even better from this virus
1: right it's inevitable we need to get back but we need to get back to normal life as much as possible and I give credit to Biden for at least trying to strike that balance. And we need to, you know, spend what we know grows the economy. We need to get people back to work as much as possible, and you know, there's not much buying can actually do on a lot of things like gas prices. There's not a lot he can do.
0: Well, he did tap into the str- into the oil reserves in an attempt. Yes, to but looking
1: uh, of- the whole oil trade, given a lot of this from the Middle East, from Russia, it it is hard for the president alone to do something like that. Account for those prices, as opposed to something like you know, manufactured goods here in the United States.
0: Yeah, and even with his measures, like I mentioned earlier, with the reserves, you know, it's it's going to take a while to actually lower the prices.
1: Okay. So second story is the Senate did something. Congress did something. Again, the last possible minute, Congress extended government funding for another two months. I, I'm telling you, we're going to have a whole song dance routine until February. And we're going to be back here in two weeks because the debt limit is fast approaching. And that's even worse than the government shutdown because it's the debt limit. Anyone remember 2010 or something, 2011, being in Obama and the Tea Party, You know, the, the government was about to default, which literally has never happened before. And you can't really do that without crashing the entire world economy you know, even more than the the depression because it's the U.S. economy, the age of globalization. And when you default, kind of need to pay it all back. We're not probably not going to default because it's just that risky. I don't think the Republican Party is as nihilistic economically as they are politically, but I don't know.
0: Well, I must say, even with this bill, it was quite the struggle. I mean, I believe in the House, only one Republican congressman voted for it, Adam Kissinger of Illinois. And I believe it passed by a fairly large margin in the Senate, though, I think like 69 to 28 or something like that. You're right. I mean, we've got to raise the debt limit because, like you mentioned, we're in a highly globalized world and the U.S. economy is kind of at the center of it. I am glad that we provided funding, although it'll only be for two months. It's essentially kicking the can down the road. I mean, we're going to be back here again, you know, fighting over. And I believe a large part of the objection from Republicans was over Biden's federal vaccine mandates. Which is just completely ridiculous.
1: It's nonsense, Ruby or something. It's like
0: nonsense. Out. And it's it, nonsense it's <laughs> a nonsense reason to hold up something that you know we need. We need government funding.
1: So third story, Roe v. Wade, abortion. If you listen all to the news, if you have any interest in politics or any interest in current events, then you know what this is. The Supreme Court is deciding the Mississippi abortion law that heavily restricts abortion, and this case could possibly overturn uh, Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey, the two Supreme Court cases that legalized, and modified the legality of abortion nationwide in the United States to varying degrees of actual windows and regulations and so forth, but it is legal to some degree in every state because of those two decisions. I'm not a woman. Joshua, you're not a woman. We don't, you know, this is not something that personally affects us, but this is U.S. politics, important to talk about. And, it's, and I just want to go over some facts right now. 60% of Americans want to keep rope. That is a fact. That is from polling from AP, everything from AP to Fox News. 70% plus, even with Republican majorities, in favor for exceptions in cases of rape, incest, and, and endangerment to the, to the mother's life. There is consensus on these t- things about abortion that we at least want the first trimester. We at least want, as a country, want exceptions for rape and incest and health endangerment that a lot of the Texas law and the Mississippi laws don't really have, or at least really, you know, restrict. I mean, we could talk for ages about the actual court. About the Supreme Court, how we've gotten here. I mean, this is something that um like a good chunk of the religious right has wanted to do for a long time. This is democracy. You're able, you know, they can announce the decision by the time you're listening to this. Unlikely, but it's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be to the level of we've never really seen before, at least not for the past 50 or so years over this issue. I just have to say, this does not turn out the Democrats or the Democratic base or the anti-Republican voters for 2022. I don't know what to do anymore. It's no one's willing to turn off for democracy. If no one's willing to actually, you know, turn out for a side that's actually doing something with Build Back Better and the infrastructure bill and the other side, the Senate Republicans have literally chosen to not put out a policy platform for what they're going to do if they take back the Senate in the midterms. I mean, governing versus non-governing, very, you know, pro-issue, even, you know, near the consensus issue on abortion versus a little, you know, vigilantism and very heavily restricted, restricted, even banned. If that's not going to do it, I really don't know what to do anymore as to get people, you know, to understand that this is a crisis. This is not normal politics. This is chaos.
0: First off, uh, yeah, to your point about uh, turning out Democratic voters, and uh, even anti-Republican voters, I think. Um, yeah, I don't think it's going to do it. I just don't think it's going to help with turnout because turnout is difficult to do, especially with midterms, because this, you know, it's a phenomenon in American politics in general, right? You know, if you elect the president of your party in an election with the upcoming midterms, you have a problem with drawing out those voters to vote for Democratic allies again and again. I I just don't think that even if uh, the Supreme Court ends up completely overturning Roe v. Wade and kind of kicking it to the states to decide, you know, different abortion laws and regulations, I just don't think it'll make people go to the polls, unfortunately, even though it's such a consequential issue that a lot of Americans, and it just, there's just so much hypocrisy involved with how this entire issue is being viewed right now. I mean, let's remember that Greg Abbott of Texas has essentially severely limited abortion in his own state. I think we're going to see a lot more regulations like that if the Supreme Court refuses to uphold and protect Roe v.
1: Wade. There are good people on your side than you and I on this issue. This is not saying that if you are pro-life or anti-abortion that you are are a bad person. This is not demonizing. This is a political landscape that is fundamentally broken. Three justices by a president who lost the popular vote, at at least two of them under election, years even beyond abortion to this issue that really did really puts a whole you know powder keg on it it's a real powder keg multiple barrels multiple matches being lit it it
0: kind of goes back to this like Actually, this issue that we've had since like the founding of the country, which is what is the role of the Supreme Court and how often should public opinion play a role in how the Supreme Court does its business, right? I mean, you're right. Um, a large portion of the justices, Justice Alito, Justice Kavanaugh, Justice Barrett, Justice Gorsuch, uh, Justice Roberts, uh, the majority actually were appointed by presidents who at one point who lost the popular vote. Supreme Court, I think specifically, is made up of unelected officials to an extent because They technically should be, you know, reading into the law and using their judicial knowledge rather than worrying about what the public is going to think. I do think that when people try to make this point about most of the justices being picked by, you know, unpopular presidents, I I think it kind of misses the point of what people think the Supreme Court should really be about.
1: At least for an election year, the whole thing with the Biden role, I mean, that was hypocrisy, plain and simple. Garland not getting a nomination, and then Barrett being confirmed in eight days. Oh, no, well, the process
0: of confirming justices is a deeply partisan process. You're totally right. I'm talking about how they actually do business once they're on the bench.
1: I mean, yes, we should treat the Supreme Court with some kind of relevance, obviously. We should, you know, justices should have some sort of good faith in them. We should have some sort of good faith. You know, they are. They are supposed to be about the law. But there comes a point where the process that confirmed them the process that put them there, the process that guided them. I mean, some of the comments Amy Coney Barrett had about adoption being, you know, a substitute for abortion. I mean, obviously, no, the court shouldn't always go with popular vote, popular will. That's obviously shouldn't be the arbiter. But at some point, there's some kind of consensus. And that is so out of line. that It seems comical. It seems majority does strike down Roe and Casey. With part of that line of logic behind it, it won't feel legitimate to have the country, 60 and 70% of the country, 80% of the country given the polling. I don't know something fundamentally broken. And, you know, I'm against court packing, you know, adding justice to court, but term limits, long-term, limits, like, you know, 23-year limits, something like that has to be considered. Like that buying commission, Supreme Court, they better come out, come back with something, just saying. It's supposed to go a
0: point, right? I mean, I mean, I'm pretty sure this is the case for every single president, like, you know, Obama, Trump, uh, George W. Bush, whatever. But, you know, obviously they have probably some political ideas in mind when they're actually going for the list to see who will I nominate to Supreme Court. And then, you know, especially, Actually more recently Supreme Court nominees, it's become an extremely partisan process. Like you mentioned, Amy Coney Barrett and Merrick Garland not even getting one in the first place, you know, but once they actually get on the court, I want to say that that's when the partisanship stops. But unfortunately, that's just not the case. You know, listen to
1: Alito. Remember when Alito had some speech and he was talking about uh, Democrats, who ex- it was some speech he gave and it was like extremely bitter towards Democrats, towards the left, towards like, you know, anyone who didn't support his confirmation, didn't su- who doesn't support his view on the law. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like he or some of the other justices are acting in good faith and say nothing of the fact that on this issue, part of the country views it as, you know, more of a women's rights issue instead of a life issue. And you and you look at two of the justices on the conservative side, both had sexual harassment or uh, assault allegations against them. Powder cake. So I'm not saying right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying you know anything. It's just it's a powder cake. Roberts can Roberts can say oh there's no Obama judges or Trump judges and you know, he go he can go on about the court uh, independence of court all he wants. But a part of, back in my mind, it's, it, a part of the reason why he's been siding with the liberal justices as of late, the past few years, is because he's thinking you know five steps ahead. He's because he's thinking about you know the court right now is part of the powder cake. Well, what about
0: Roberts when Roberts essentially saved Obamacare, right? Right, would, right. It, it's but would like that, that be an example of? Would you consider that to be a lot like the current issue in front of the Supreme Court? Because Roberts voted with Obamacare because he worried the reputation of the Supreme Court would take such a huge hit that he actually voted to save it.
1: It could be tied by the law. It could be tied that something that people want to overturn it have the right argument, or he his view, or his view changed. You know, it could be that. But I, don't know. I mean, unfortunately, the court does not have the safeguard American trust.
0: Even looking at the future structure. of the court i mean uh, do you, i'm not sure biden will even have a chance to nominate his own justice i mean prior uh, you know, i mean to over. retire i mean people should be screaming for him to retire he's cool i mean legally he's allowed to sit on the court as long as he likes yeah but he's he's gonna, past- I mean, yeah, you know maybe I mean, politically it'd be a better idea because if biden nominates somebody young they would stay on way long after he does
1: so the point is that he's, if he if he stays on and it's like ginsburg and buying loses or harris loses or what the hell runs in 2024 and they lose and it's, you know, DeSantis or Trump, Either they're going to pick, you're going to, and Brian dies during 2024, 2028. Oh, you know, he's, he's going to die and they're going to play a non-Republican, you know, conservative replacement. It's going to further tilt the court. And considering the track record we know about the Republican party right now, it's going to de the court further. I don't know. I mean, again, I don't want this conversation. No one wants this conversation. No one in good faith wants this conversation. The court should be independent. The court should be arbiter of justice, arbiter of constitutionality, but it's not. And we have to accept that fact. And we have to deal with it as it is. And right now, I'm thinking long-term limits. But then again, like I said before, I hope that the Senate, that the Congress, and Biden takes up that commission. And that concludes this episode of Gen Zero Talk Politics. Be sure to join our Discord server, follow us on Instagram at Gen Zero Talk Politics, and on Twitter at Gen Zero Talk Poly, with an I, and add or email us to ask your burning questions.
0: Thanks for joining
1: us and we hope to see you next time.